How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagney here, welcoming you to edition number 70, Joe vs. the World. And uh, after almost a year, we are back with the next WWF yearbook, focusing on, of course, 1994. Joining me on this magical mystery tour, the proud owner of a Byron Leftwich throwback Steelers jersey, Mr. Justin Shapiro. Justin, how you doing? It's a thrown out Steelers jersey. <laughs> you misread that. <laughs> Where he uh, yeah. throw it in the trash, he would miss by... A good 10 yards. Well, it would just fall, and he would go, Oh, my rib area. <laughs> my sternum slash uh, plexus. Speaking of plexus, the plax jersey is coming out. I that saw this, like too. That. My goodness. Love it. I would love a McNabb plax connection <laughs> to take on the Browns, but... Uh, oh, foot, you know what the name of the game is today? Fake sports. Right. Well, none of this real. Stupid... <laughs> Same amount of brain damage, but fake. <laughs> much less money, much less uh, popular support. So, Same megalomaniacal leadership, am I right? <laughs> Satire. Satirical. Both grinding their workers into the ground. Yep, it's a meat grinder. It certainly is. My goodness. I thought they only did the retro jerseys like once a year. Um, It, it may be up to twice now i think there was like how many times will we be subjected to bumblebee stealers (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what has uh more offensive lines a football game or an episode of raw (laughs) how is raw we recording this starting just after nine o'clock i've not really tuned into raw yet so i'm not sure what's going on sorry to take you away from that unless you have it on in the background no, as I told you, I, it, you're providing the best possible of my uh, necessary hourly break between every hour of Raw. <laughs> I suppose so. All right, well, we have a lot to cover. We should dive in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, the year 1994, just to recap, Yokozuna was a world champ. He was feuding with The Undertaker, headed to a casket match at the Royal Rumble. Uh, double wide, double deep. That's right. Yoko was uh, definitely afraid of caskets, which is a little morbid given his ultimate fate. Uh, also, the Hart brothers worked through all their problems through Christmas. Everything was fine, Justin. They were going to team up and win the tag titles. Everything was fine. Their relationship was as sound as yours and mine is right now. <laughs> I hope some things don't come up that you and I have left buried for our <laughs> six-year working relationship. Because, well, you know what? It's just a pleasure to be here. Yep, let's just happy everything's to put great. Things aside for the fans. We're going to team up. We're going to do the podcast of the year. Excellent, excellent. Also, uh, this soldier on. This was in the toilet around this time. Did you have any sense of this? <laughs> None whatsoever. Um, I was just like, well, it's strange that some of the super stars that I started watching wrestling with are not present, uh, or over in uh, Ted Turner's organization, mm-hmm. as I didn't call it at the time. I was just like, well, if these men have the championship belt, earn number one contender, then they must be equally good. Um, I think the difference between me and some other people is I use the benefit of hindsight and changing opinions to not believe that the wrestling that I saw when I was uh, 10 was just as big as all wrestling ever. Yeah, they, um, you see some small, I was like, God, that's a small building. Like, they ran in a lot of field houses at this time. Actually, the, <laughs> the pay-per-view last night was in a field house, but it was big. These were, like, uh, if you're watching the match, you can see the back of the building from, like, the hard camera shot, and that's... uh Yes, not all field houses are the size of a field house, nor are all coliseums the size of a coliseum. <laughs> no, they are not. 
They ran in my high school this year. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I may have told the story on JVT Doves before, but uh, a surprisingly non-Asian Quang uh, <laughs> told a, uh, a, we would say, fat-ish, a large-bodied woman in a red sweater, and this was a show in December, and he said, It's Santa Claus! <laughs> Santa Claus is right here because of that and red was the subtext. <laughs> well, and, uh, I didn't even notice if it was a Hispanic Quang. I can't. Could have just. They could have just sent any old Quang. To, I suppose to that's Royal true. City High School. So you know, people like to say like, "Oh man, wrestling's so cold right now." Like you have no idea how it was. Like you look Reels. back, like my God, like they're very profitable now, and they were not back then, and times were very, very bad. Look at the rumble, man. Mm. Look at the, the rumble depth. Oof, well, Look we'll at get... the Survivor Series card that we're going to talk about later versus <laughs> Fictional the one, one that we got this year. Mm. You tell me which was a better roster. The answer, of course, being these guys. Razor Ramon, bro. <laughs> Razor Ramon. All right. Uh, all right, we'll start. January. First big news was the uh, January 10th Raw show. Featured a tag title match between the Quebecers and the 1-2-3 Kid and Mari Gennetti. Set up by manager Johnny Polo being both challengers in single matches the weeks before. They had a really good match, for some reason not on the Best of Raw 1994 set. It's uh, uh, Gennady and the Kid win the belts. It was very odd that there was a tag title match already booked for the Rumble involving Brett and Owen. Let alone one involving Brett the Hitman Hart. <laughs> yeah, that was like, oh, Brett's kind of... Well, Brett said like he's dedicating his career to being a tag team wrestler. No more singles. He's focusing on tag with his brother Owen. And um, this led to some cool vignettes where Brett was happy. The guys won. <laughs> Owen was sad that he was out of a tag title shot. Hmm. So, yeah. Very subtle. Some subtle uh, some character stuff possibly going on. What strange hot shot booking changing the titles all about? Like that had a very Memphis feel to it because uh, <clears throat> the next week at Madison Square Garden, the Quebecers regained the titles. Hmm. It was interesting is that there was a taped raw happening at the same time, so Stanley called into the show and reported the title <laughs> change. Which that was always weird. I brain wasn't big enough to like process all that stuff at the time. There were like other wrestling is happening in a different building um, because time is a social construct and nothing is absolute. I guess is what I thought about it. It's bizarre. But I thought everyone would be at Monday Night Raw. Like, right? What? I don't. Very very odd, but. Why would you... How can you... A, a roster divided cannot stand. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Were you on rec sport wrestling? No, not till... Uh, shit at the time? No, not till um, fall of 95 when I went to college, got on the interwebs, and... Uh, the WWF on America Online? <laughs> no, none of that. I was never really... Never really an uh, RSP dub guy. I was gonna... I'm only asking... and. If anyone's listening who was, they can call in at uh, 1-900-JVT-W-69. <laughs> and, um, what, so, like, the week that Brett uh, Kidd and Janetti won the belts, was it like, boner, work rate, 94, talking about Bret Hart, talking about Owen Hart versus the 1-2-3 Kid, a.k.a. Sean Waltman, and Martin Janetti in a sure-to-be-four-and-a-half-star tag team match? I believe that was the general sentiment at the time, although they did establish that the uh, the match at the Rumble, uh, I think it would, it would not be a title match. I think the match 
between the Quebecers and the Hearts would oh, just be a right. non-title match. The contract was locked in. Yep. Anyway, that uh, January 17th MSG show was notable because uh, there's a Royal Rumble on that show that Owen Hart won, oddly that enough. A super weird thing. And uh, Scott Steiner injured Ludwig Borga, which not only kept him out of the Rumble, but pretty much ended his WWF run. Whoops. Let that be a lesson to all the people who want to break the Undertaker's streak. Um, <laughs> they gave the prestigious first pinfall over to Tatanka to Ludwig Borga, and what did they get out of it? No new star was made. <laughs> Don't even try. They got one pay-per-view out of him. But thankfully, he uh, at least had a televised loss, so you could go from there. Did he? Who did he lose to? At the uh, Survivor Series, he was lost to Luke. Oh, oh. You're right, yeah. So yeah. you meant on an actual... No, not like an actual... Yeah. So uh, they brought him in to get some kind of Lex Luger form at some point. All right, debuting was Thurman Sparky Plug, race car driver. Um, maybe oh. this is just me, but if you call him Sparky Thurman Plug, the initials spell out STP, like the motor oil, or the band. But you need Sparky <laughs> and Plug next to each other to make the spark plug pun. Yes. But anyway, this became moot because he showed up one week in September and he was Bob Holly. And I'm like, wait, I thought his name was Herman. Or Thurman, I should say. <laughs> Do you think he was bullied in the back and called, like, butt plug or something and that necessitated Thurman. the big change? <laughs> uh, reading at the Observers, uh, one Dave Meltzer thought legal reasons. I don't know why he says, like, must be legal reasons. And I, I'm not sure what they would be. Um, I'd hate to speculate. I have many pro wrestling attorneys on the show. Explain <laughs> the copyright law. Uh, <laughs> and we, we were um, well into the uh, wrestlers have other jobs phase of the WF that uh, started with, I don't know, Bruce Beefcake, maybe? I think, well, yeah, because I was going to say it was a hobby, but he opened up a barbershop. There you, you go. Have, have licensure and things like that. You can't just, uh, so for sure, you have to have a the proper credentials to wield those large scissors. A lot of those are, um, like most uh, small businesses, fail after a few years. <laughs> Undertaker, uh, in its second decade. Okay. Yeah, and we learned during these vignettes that um, that parlor was like very do-it-yourself. They built their own <laughs> caskets. Very DIY ethic. Joe, is this, um, we're, we're an informative show. Do you know, speaking of Rexport Pro Wrestling, I learned that the Delphi in 2000, uh, it was before I was doing the Observer, so I wasn't sure. When Yokozuna actually did die that um, September, October, is it true that the pallbearers for his funeral were ten heels? And they all carried I don't, I don't remember. I'll have to go back and check that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, also debuting was Quang, martial arts extraordinaire, and nothing to do with Great Muda coming back to WCW. And, uh... This says, Quang was Puerto Rican wrestling star, Savio Vega, who would be future known as Savio Vega, previously known as... uh, TNT. No, I did not. uh, TNT, if your snarky Dave Meltzer stood for totally no talent. Uh, (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Good to see that back after he had gotten away from the junk food dog and uh, anabolic warrior references Mm -hmm. to bring that back. Actually, speaking of Mr. Meltzer, he thought uh, Taz might be under the gimmick, which um, is very sad we never saw that. I'm sad to this day. Mm. Brother. <laughs> I'm a ninja brother. Quang <laughs> <laughs> was not very... Not uh, not the most electric workers. From what I remember. But 
Uh, oh, and uh, to continue Quang talk, here's a quote from The Observer. Funniest moment on the road this past week was on the February 19th show in Winnipeg. And during the tag team main event, the ring announcer announced Quang as Wang. Huh. Probably inevitable. An error? Hmm. Who is the most electric wrestler? I guess The Rock. This <laughs> Coming back, Justin, you ready? And also, uh, didn't... Yeah, I'm ready. Go ahead. Okay. I'm just wasting time. <laughs> no, I thought you were ready for The Rock to come back and not my next uh, continuing sentence. Oh, forgive me. But uh, another tidbit. Um, there we, <laughs> we should. Uh, he would know back then. Mr. Get him on the line. <laughs> oh, is that how it's not pronounced cunts? I always thought it was cunts. No, yeah, I think you might be right. It might be cunts, but I just didn't want to say that. So. Hmm. Well, it fit. If you don't know who we're talking about, which is probably all of you, uh, Herb Kunz was um, a, uh, a uh, leader. <laughs> a, a, a notable figure. He was um, an opinion leader. <laughs> he was. He had uh, tidbits, little yeah. things he posted. He was big into Japanese wrestling and not so much uh, what was going on in the States at the time. It was the wrestling of which he was a fan. And uh, he was a teacher. Does, at he, a- um, does he email images? I don't know. He does not email images. (laughs) That's right. Don't even ask. Yep. We must have done this whole bit the last time, but people loved it, so bringing it back. Uh, I wonder, I just wonder, like, he probably doesn't watch wrestling anymore, which is, I don't know, does he, I know he still teaches, he certainly doesn't post or anything, but he probably just gave up on wrestling, which is kind of sad. Well, is this New Japan resurgence? Is it also uh, very realistic seeming like uh, 1990s All Japan wrestling was, according to him? <laughs> I, I don't know what his thoughts were. I know he was big on All Japan, perhaps not New Japan. I don't know. Mm, fair enough. Uh, I had a note here. Razor Ramon pinned Shawn Michaels with the Razor's Edge at around the 17-minute mark. The two didn't lock up until 15 minutes had elapsed. But <laughs> there were also nine ladder matches on uh, house shows in the first quarter. Seven between Razor and Sean, two between Razor and IRS, so. I bet those were great. Was the belt hung from his tie? (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't it be cool if they had uh, IRS's briefcase, and then instead of a title shot in the briefcase, it was just for a briefcase? (laughs) It's like, oh, great. I got a new briefcase. Uh, they take matches. Put my for- paperwork in here for my <laughs> other job. <laughs> my W9. <laughs> they, uh, tape matches for the WrestleFest 1994 VHS, uh, tape. One of their better Coliseum outings, including the, um, pretty great Steiner's Hearts tag match, which I think our compatriot, Alan Farrell, that is one of his, uh, top five tag matches of all time. Or WWF mm. matches, tag matches, I believe. I don't want to misspeak for him. <laughs> that, uh, it was brothers versus brothers. And yep. I think Owen once again had a problem with what was going on in that. Mm-hmm. It's like, we should be aggressive. And Brother was like, we should be nice. Of course, this all surfaced, uh, months and months after what transpired on, uh, the world. That's true, yes. But hey, you could look back. It all, mm-hmm. you, you watch chronologically later on, it all fit in. Science checks out. Uh, Earthquake came back for some reason. I don't know why. Just a couple months before he moved on to WCW and the uh, greener pastures of being an avalanche and a fish. 
Among other things. Among other things. He's also a man. That's with right. Half a beard. <laughs> that was so bad. Give that too. Even at the peak of WCW, like their creative efforts, they still had that going on. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's uh, get into the Royal Rumble. It was a, it was a pretty average show, as most of the pay per views were from this year. And uh, Ted DiBiase returned to do commentary, and uh, he was fine, but it's no great loss. He was never used again in any great capacity. Yeah, he. Um, I guess he'd only been gone for a few months, just at SummerSlam of the Slam. year prior. So, mm. as for the undercard, Bam Bam uh, subbed for Ludwig Borga, which is an appreciable upgrade. Need a pretty fun match with Tatanka. Razor beat IRS, and uh, the tag title match was actually really good. Some pretty good storytelling with Owen kicking Brett after the match was over, as was uh, Owen's promo. So, uh, some pretty good stuff there in the undercard. He legged his leg from leg his leg. Wrestle crap. Hashtag LOL. Brian Alvarez still using kick the leg out from under his leg. Like, as of last weekend, I think. Hmm. Well. Memes. One of the things he remembers. I guess. <laughs> as for the casket match, we'll turn to Wikipedia. <laughs> Ahem. Yokozuna had great difficulty inflicting any serious damage on The Undertaker. <laughs> it revealed that Mr. Fuji had arranged for several wrestlers to get involved on Yokozuna's behalf. Crush, the great Kabuki, Jinichiro Tenru, and Bam Bam Bigelow interfered. But The Undertaker was able to fight back until Mr. Fuji stole The Undertaker's urn from Paul Bear. Yokozuna opened the urn and smoke poured out. Meanwhile, Adam Bomb, Jeff Jarrett, the Head Shrinkers, open parentheses Sam, Samu and Fatu, those parentheses, and Diesel then came into the ring to help Yokozuna. Eventually, Yokozuna and his allies were able to shut The Undertaker and the casket to end the match. They locked the casket and pushed it down the aisle until smoke started coming out of the casket. The Undertaker appeared on the video screen at the end of the aisle, vowing to return. The casket was shown exploding on the screen, although the casket in the arena did not explode. The explosion was shown. A person resembling The Undertaker was seen rising up to the ceiling of the Civic Center. This role is rumored to have been played by Marty Jannetty. Um, I guess this is the first time Undertaker died, right? I mean, before the time he died and became the unstoppable wrestling Undertaker. <laughs> Like this is the the nadir of professional wrestling. I was there. I never had a big problem with it. Like, you know, Undertaker was taking a break, so they wanted to write him off for a while. And you could say they kept him too strong here. But aside from the wackiness, you know, it didn't bother me all that much. And if they did something like this at, at their match at WrestleMania, like no, be upset. People would be like, okay, Undertaker superpowers. We just go with it. Right. Even in like the realistic. MMA Undertaker still shot lightning bolts. That's right. It's like, oh, Undertaker shot a lightning bolt. Remember when he haunted magic? Yeah, remember when he haunted Randy Orton and possessed his dad? <laughs> yeah, like, sure do. Like, no one gets upset about that, even though it was, it was it was a copy of a horrendous angle that people get upset about. I mean, they didn't love it, but they were just like, as we are all well aware, the Undertaker is magic. <clears throat> Rumble itself is pretty notable for a few reasons, though it wasn't very good. Uh, it started out fine, and it actually had a good flow for a bit, but there was a real long drought with few eliminations. And by the time Adam Bomb came in uh, at number 30, there were 12 guys in the ring. It was just too clogged and boring, even with 90-second uh, entrances. And um, this was the year ended in a tie between Brett and Luger. I don't know if this gets settled up, but they did a 
pretty good job with it. Like, I know they kept the camera to the side. You never saw him hit the floor, but at least seemed plausible. And mm-hmm. it fell to the floor and Luger got caught in the ropes. And then, you know, it, it, like Vince is on commentary. He's like, wait, we have a new angle. We'll find out for sure. It's just the same angle they showed before. Like, oh, we still don't know. <laughs> Maybe in the day of, like, high-definition replay, they might be able to assess it. But uh, it was certainly close enough to uh, have reasonable doubt. And it's weird they've never tried that again in uh, 17 or however many Rumble since then. The only time they did it, when it ended perfectly, it was an accident seen in Batista. Oh, that's right, yeah. And uh, this was the year where Diesel threw out seven people and dominant in a way you don't really see. This became known as the uh, Diesel Push. And if I said to you, I bet Ryback gets the Diesel Push in the Rumble, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> He uh he let a lot of people have it. Who stopped the diesel run? Was it Mabel? Oh, let's hope. It may have been a conglomerate of uh, individuals. Someone uh, had to shut it down there. The Meltzer and Alvarez race for information here. <laughs> As I told you beforehand, I'm not, air quote, super prepared. Right. But I did watch the year 94 when it happened, so I have that experience. It was Bigelow, Mabel, uh, Shawn Michaels, Crush, and Thurman Plug. Ah, then I, the Macho Man came in and was like, I'm going to slow you down with axe handles, I bet. <laughs> then it got into that period where it was like uh, Diesel, Bam Bam Bigelow, and someone else big. Crush, I guess, and they had a showdown. Yes. Strong, powerful man. And, uh, let's see. The zero interaction between Brett and Owen, which was, uh, somewhat odd. Like, it's not like, you know, Owen got eliminated, went back to the aisle, and then here comes Brett. It was just like Owen got eliminated, and well, that's that. <laughs> right. Your, uh, main eventer for the spring which <laughs> was just tossed out the Battle Royal. Curious. And uh, one last note. The story was that Luger was allowed in if because um, he was banned from getting... He already had his last title shot. If uh, Fuji could bring in Tenru and Kabuki as bounty hunters to keep him out. But, God, they were real bad at their job because they'd like, be in the ring together and Kabuki would like fight Bob Holly instead. I'm like, wait, no, you're losing focus. You were brought here for a purpose. Yeah, you're, not, you're not doing a quality job here. I would say Brett's uh, selling of the leg from under his leg was superb. It was. He did a... Uh, did we... any wonder people picked him over Luger? It was like, Luger was just Lugering around. Brett was dying. <laughs> Lugering around. Sure. Total packaging. <laughs> but it was cool at the end, when it came down to four of the all-time greats, uh, Bret Hart, Lex Luger, Shawn Michaels, and one head shrinker. I can't remember which one. And uh, they did some kind of crisscross and backdropped them out at the same time. Mm. Yeah. And then I think they were so uh, scared of having two baby faces fight that Brett and, like, today they would exchange finishers and all these teases of uh, near eliminations, but Brett and Luke were just like, punch, punch, we out. <laughs> yeah, they've done that quite a bit. They had. Uh... Undertaker and Sean had an extended sequence, I believe. Mm-hmm. Now, that year Cena came back, was he and Triple H, were they both? Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not an uncommon spot, but yeah, back then, panic. <laughs> anyway, with a tie in the Rumble, who gets the title shot? Well, Jack Tiny decided there would be two title matches at WrestleMania, and the person receiving the second title shot would face suitable competition. 
It would either be uh, Luger Yoko with Brett fighting Owen, or Brett Yoko with Luger fighting Crush first. And thankfully for everyone, Luger win <laughs> flip. Okay, one, why did Yokozuna agree to this? Because he kind of got screwed, uh, with you know, through no fault of his own. And um, second, why was why was a suitable competition match different? Shouldn't it have been the same guy? Isn't that suitable? <laughs> um, it had to be some kind of uh, deep personal weirdness between them. I don't know. This is Tony's last decision, his last <laughs> major decision, really, and a controversial one. Mm. It's no wonder he was not reelected. So that was uh, that largely set up WrestleMania. They added the um, Razor Sean ladder match, Savage Crush, and that was basically quite frankly, if I may, Joe Gagne, none of Jack Tony's decisions were very good. You know. Well, he has a dubious the post WrestleMania six match where he would not. Sign a rematch because they would push themselves beyond the limits of human endurance, or that was dubious. They would just die. They'd perish. Yeah. <laughs> Questionable. That whole Andre belt thing. Oh gosh. If yeah. I was Andre, I'd be like, "What do you care, man? <laughs> belt." Hmm. Let's see. The time he tried to implement healthcare in the WWF, that was super controversial. All those Canadians, you know. <laughs> Brought the dentist in to, uh, and other jokes like that. The dentist, that was much later. Sure, but I think the paperwork started with Tony. So you're saying Gorilla Monsoon got everybody the dentist? Well, I think so. And remember, no one ever beat up Jack Tony. Gorilla was beaten up pretty instantly. Ninety-six. So another note: the uh, February third show in New Brunswick was canceled because the ring was accidentally delivered to Halifax, Nova Scotia. Instead, the show was rescheduled for February fourteenth. I doubt that would happen today. Um, I, yeah, I, there would be egg on their face. <laughs> they could just do promos because it's not about the in-ring action anymore. That's true. <laughs> I remember when I saw a uh, Brodus Clay Heath Slater match at a house show, and like the whole segment took like 15 minutes, but like the wrestling was about 30 seconds of it. <laughs> you know, Brodus Clay came out and danced. Heath Slater cut a promo. They faced off. Then it was like punch, exploder, splash. None of it screwed up. And then dancing <laughs> with kids and etc. Uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. You see, uh, that was a great like exploder face buster that uh, Lord Tensai took last night. I was an innovator of offense. <laughs> uh, throw a hand grenade at the <laughs> That was the best. Just the best. Mm. Anyway. Fortunes of Heath Slater and Brodus Clay have uh, probably changed since the time you saw that match. I would say so. I was kind of thought, you know, when Heath Slater was jobbing to all the legends in short order, I thought, you know, I bet this still works out for him in a bit. And it has. Sure has. The whole, uh, you know, besides uh, Michael Tarver, the whole cast of uh, Season 1 NXT doing okay. Yeah, and Michael Tarver is apparently legit bonkers, so... Hmm. <laughs> what a shame. Let's see. And uh, not too much else in February. Mario Gennetti got fired again, and Jerry Lawless' charges were dropped. As we say every show. Well, <laughs> Jerry Lawless' charges were dropped. He's back pretty quick, so uh, on to March. And there was a uh, ceremony for Tataka on Raw, featuring Wahoo McDaniel and Chief J. Strongbow, where a man named Ray Little Turtle, 
of the Lumley tribe, who I swear if it's called Little Turd, was uh, at Tataka with a ceremonial sacred headdress. Later, IRS says it's a gift and should be taxed as such. And uh, during a match between Tatanka and Quang, IRS came to repossess it. After a melee, he ripped it up, setting up the classic feud of Indian versus Auditor. <laughs> Um, I don't, I'm skeptical as to how well IRS understood the tax code. It seemed to just be like, remember, well, at the end of the year, yes. probably IRS's greatest tax feud of them all. <laughs> That's a tease for our act break. IRS, not a small businessman, but, um, part of the large, uh, government agency. <laughs> service. Yeah. Hmm. He seemed more about his job than the wrestling, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's Jake, you know, cut a little hair afterwards. But IRS seemed largely uh, motivation driven by his uh, his job. Sometimes, though, Brutus would lose a match, i.e., e.g., Royal Rumble 1990. He uh, he was disqualified for preemptive uh, cutting, right? <laughs> uh, I think it was a double DQ, but oh, uh, I thought he like using the scissors on the genius's hair got him disqualified as a foreign object. Mm. I'll go back and consult the tape we did on that one. Alright. Alright, let's let's jump to WrestleMania ten, held at Mass Square Garden, the first Hoganless WrestleMania. Uh fans have two binds of this. Some people say, Hey, two of the great matches in WF history, easy thumbs up. While others say, Well the rest of the card is no good. So a little bit overrated. Justin, where do you stand? <laughs> I'd say beggars can't be choosers, you know? It's not like, uh, there's, uh, cards from before or shortly thereafter that were any close to as good as that one. I think with any WWF show pre-2000, you're gonna get a whole lot of crap, uh, up and down the show. I think the, um, the argument held more sway back in, like, 2000. We've had a lot of, like, really great WrestleMania since then. I think this one's dipped a little bit, but I think it's worth checking out. Certainly the, the two big matches but yeah unless you want to like downgrade the ladder match because um 18 years have passed since then and people have done different stuff which is uh, not well, really the attitude i'd take yeah well here's the i mean the ladder match uh i don't know how influential it was because they didn't have one again till like next year's SummerSlam. that was just kind of put on because rest of the cards sucked <laughs> if you look at the ones the Hardys and Edge and Christian had in 1999, they had three the next year. So if it's a little diminished, it might be in that regard. It's still an awesome match, and I think I think it holds up pretty, pretty well. Mm-hmm. It was largely built around... Uh, it was like Sean versus the ladder versus the ropes, and then Razor Ramon was also there. <laughs> yeah. I, wonder, I wondered if they were getting the team of... Justin Gabriel and Tyson Kidd up and running just in time for a pay-per-view where everyone up ladders. Mm. Oh, As we speak, they may be booking like TLC tag team redux between Ray and Sin Cara and Kid, Gay Kid, and uh, <laughs> what? And hell no. <laughs> that would be a thing. It would. It would be like a toned-down version of it, I'm sure. But uh, also on the card. Anyway. But uh, winning the title at the end is a nice ending. And Savage and Crush is fine with a, an odd stipulation where you had to pin someone outside the ring, but you had to make it back into the ring by a 10 count afterwards, which proved something. Yeah, that was unusual blow-off for their horrific rivalry of uh, 
anger and wrath. <laughs> I'm going to tie you up. <laughs> yeah, well, I bet you wish you weren't all tied up. That's what you get you for dropping my face across steel <laughs> from a height. Kind of the last hurrah for a uh, savage there. Mm. And yeah, uh, I mean he he certainly didn't wrestle on pay per view again. No, not in uh, not in New York, as they say. <laughs> By the um, even. What What's funny about the the Luger Yoko Brett configuration is like today they would just be in a triple threat match, but at the time, it was yeah. like three men wrestling. That's a godless abomination. <laughs> Joe, did you sign a petition for the defense of traditional matches? I did die. I'm in Massachusetts, so we're okay. <laughs> yeah. Forward. That was, again, one of Tunney's real controversies as a progressive president. That's true. It's, uh, one of the things ECW was gaining steam at the time and, um, Three got their men. first cover story next? in the episode. Yeah, so. Had that happened a little bit earlier, maybe we would have seen a, a, a three-way. Not that it matters much in the end, because uh, Yoke, I mean uh, Luger was—he uh, choked yet again the James Storm of his day by uh, getting DQ'd when Mister Perfect disqualified him for something or other, bumping into him. <laughs> and um, now the the story used to be that Luger was supposed to win and then lose to Brett, but gave it away to a, a reporter. Has that been debunked or uh, or? There may have been like an actual story in the New York Post, but as far as its effect on the actual booking, it had zero to do with it. Zero. 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 Nothing. I can't stress that enough. It's one of the truly fake, meritless things that uh, I blame Rec Sport Pro Wrestling probably. <laughs> this was all supposed like, to lead. Oh, go ahead. Nah. All right. Thought better of it. Good, probably for the best. This was a uh... more like RSPU. <laughs> See why I stopped. <sighs> Joe, have you ever been in a three-way? No, I have not. Podcast with with two guests. Oh, with podcast with two guests. Yes, I have. I've been with as many as five. I think. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. Uh huh. engine therapy. <laughs> hmm. All right. Uh, this was all supposed to lead to a Luger Perfect feud, but Perfect broke his foot and quit, or wanted to collect insurance, or Vince would agree to his price, but whatever, it never happened. I think we also say this every show. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Perfect came and quit. Or we will be saying this, I think, in the next couple shows we do. Uh, they left off the 10-man tag from the show, popular urban legend being that the ladder match went long, but the problem was, whoever did the planning must have thought it was a four-hour show, because everyone was <laughs> accused, and the Yoko Lex match was supposed to go 23 and a half minutes, and uh, Yoko Brett, uh, 18 and a half. So, yeah, someone planned 42 minutes of Yokozuna wrestling that night. So. Wow. The show maybe looked on differently if, like, Yokozuna had just quit after the Luger <laughs> match. <was> like, no. <laughs> just forget it. This is not worth it. Because the match with Brett at WrestleMania 9 is Brett detailing his book ended up getting cut to like nine minutes for the WrestleMania main event. That's some Cena Miz shit. <laughs> we should mention uh, Owen beating Brett and uh, a completely oh, yeah. but um, still shocking booking turn. And uh, also a great match that uh, I think I'm guessing everyone's seen that. I can't imagine someone not have seen that, you know? Seem, well, what, what it's been on a ton of conversations, and you know, you can find it on YouTube or something. I'm guessing everyone's seen it. 
Do you think someone born in like 1996 <laughs> listens to the shows with you and me to learn what happened back then? Because I that would be so. foolish. Mm-hmm. We're uh, we're educating. Now you're gonna educate your young son as to what happened. Just put these on. Uh, I just might actually. Um, when uh, Saturday, when I was hanging out with my son, I flipped on the TV. Saturday morning slam came on, and uh, oh, believe his first match he ever saw was Brodus Clay against Cody Rhodes. So uh, mark Whoa. that. Down. He's gonna be doing podcast in 20 years. <laughs> kind of hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. He'll have loved it. They were probably assuming ever- wrestling is a thing still in uh, 20 years. Uh, we shall see, but mm. he's going to be stumping for both those guys in Cody Meltzer's Hall of Fame. <laughs> Bruce Clay will be the big daddy. Of, uh, <laughs> actually, just one. But. <laughs> You're his big daddy. <laughs> Not Bruce Clay's, but the child. Because yes, thank you. Because he is my small son. Small in comparison to you. Yes. He looks so... Like uh, let's see, a new interview segment debuted called The Heartbreak Hotel, hosted by Shawn Michaels, replacing the funeral parlor. And we also had the King's Court at this time. And right now the equivalent is Ms. TV. <laughs> is the peep show still a thing? There may have been one or two peep shows. Christian hasn't been around much this year. No. We need Ryback's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> a cooking show? <laughs> Some kind of, like... Emerald Legacy, uh, um, guy, whatever. <laughs> yes, just. I don't know what you'd, what you'd call that show. But, I don't know. Uh, hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> or he could <laughs> like one of those 6 a.m., uh, um, morning chat shows, and that one would be called Wake Up! <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. Perhaps not. Ryback sucks, yo. I know he's getting the push now, but if you listen to this show, I bet by like March it'll be like, remember when they tried with Ryback and people just weren't having it? Uh, Or remember when I said that and looked super stupid (laughs) when he wins the world, the world heavyweight championship at WrestleMania? I will make, I I like to call in the annual figure four prediction show. I will predict Ryback wins a world title in 2013. Well, it's and not that hard. I predicted last year Jack Swagger would be future endeavored, and uh, kind of right there. Or, or, that but still, doing. I wonder if they'll just forget about him. <laughs> like they're supposed to bring him back, and they just they get tied up in Rumble and WrestleMania and all that. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Brodus himself had to wait like three That's months right. to be redebuted as a monster killing machine. On the dance floor. How, how are you feeling about dancing Brodus now? Given that you and I witnessed his uh, his character on NXT. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, they have Mark Henry, so... But Mark Henry promptly got injured for months on end. I suppose they yeah, can always now, go back to it. He can tear up his suit and kick his uh, dancers in the butt, but... um, <laughs> he, he does have that in his back pocket. That it's can just be a plan be, B. The weird thing they do is they just, like obliterate dudes with the idea that then when we start feeling like pushing them again, then we'll just rebuild them with our really good ideas, and uh, it doesn't really work that way. Like Jack Swagger. Mm. Like Miz in between um, uh, Survivor Series and bringing him back from the movie. He would just booze. Booze <laughs> to all people. 
You know, um, that guy, Bruce Clay, is all set. If he does get future endeavored, say, tomorrow, he's all set for a few years on the indies. That is true, yeah. He's be funk man, and he can dance, <laughs> and he can take pictures and Polaroids. He's okay. Better than if he was a uh, Brodus Clay mean person. Very good point. She. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the the hierarchy of uh, mean large people because Big Show was the nice large man going against Mark Henry, the mean, mm-hmm. powerful large man, and now Big Show is a powerful large man, and Brodus Clay, like for a couple weeks in the summer, was the nice large man, and Tensage is not good. He got pinned by Gabriel. <laughs> mm. and, and Mark Henry is waiting to come back, and we'll see if going to the Olympics has, like, his heart grew three sizes. Uh, and it, I'm sure it's already very big, because he's mm. very big, very strong. You think he has an enlarged heart? Well, he has enlarged uh, shoulders, really. He's big all over. Isn't that the big show? That's right. Yes. Wasn't that? Oh my god. God. Attitude. Uh, <laughs> anyway, back to uh, about two decades be, ago. When will we be doing 1999? God knows when. Yeah. Seems that way. Good. All right. Can't wait to talk about. I hope your son will be. <laughs> he can join us. <laughs> yep. Uh, there was a quickie title change when men on a mission beat the Quebecers in England <laughs> on uh, March 29th. Big fat. Man. Only to lose them two days later. I always thought this was an accident, and like Mabel fed it all over one of them, and they just did the pinfall. Sure. But Observer didn't support this theory, so I don't know. Hmm. I like to believe. I'm just going to believe that Mabel fed it all over one of them, and knocked <laughs> sure, about that way. Yep, it's, it's just it's just better. What if that's like an echo chamber that we started on one of the shows we did in like 2006, and now we're citing ourselves thinking we were uh, right at the time? I was just a joke. Discussing this, we did the show with Alan on the Quebecers. Mm-hmm. That's where, and he was uh, seemingly unaware of it, so maybe, I don't know, maybe we were cannibalizing our own uh, rumors. Oh, man, it was just a dream I had. <laughs> I had a dream, actually, you told me, I think... Uh, Maybe a couple weeks ago, we were locked and loaded for for this one, for our Thanksgiving tradition. Mm-hmm. And so, it, just in my subconscious, your show and you and your disembodied voice just popped into a dreamscape in the rapid eye movement cycle. Hmm. And you were like, this is going to be a big show. I got the recording artist Kesha to record the Japanese song at the beginning. <laughs> And you were so excited. You thought I was going to do so many downloads. Hmm. I was like, I don't know. I mean, you should just interview her, Joe. And like, <laughs> no. She just wanted to do the song. She's a big fan. And uh, it was weird. Wow. That does sound weird. Right. Anyway. You could do shows just exploring fake uh, imaginary things that were created by um, a weird part of my brain. Cool. I don't know if I had sugar before I went to bed or what. Fertile fields right there, it would appear. For sure. Anyway. I never heard the song, but when I woke up in the morning, I tried to write one, not with uh, notes or words. I just kind of felt it. And <laughs> the Kesha's version of the Joe song had something to do with, well, like, all the time pottying and being the best. And that's about as far as I got. Okay. So. That's a good start. <laughs> it is a really good start because I was, your show has a lot to do with partying. 
movie in the best. <laughs> sure. So. Alright, uh, Nikolai Volkov started appearing in the front row of WBF shows. We later found out he had fallen on hard times. Maybe because he travels the country and gets front row <laughs> seats for all these shows. But, long story short, the Million Dollar Man acquires him as the first member of a new stable. He made him dress in his old uh, Million Dollar Man style trunks. And this never really paid off except maybe at a house show like a year later. Yeah, um... Was Virgil still under contract at the time? Uh, he, yeah, he worked some matches at least in um, 94. So he was around at least some capacity. I don't know Maybe it would if he was under contract or not. But Too sad. Oh, well, I guess he did come back uh, crawling to DiBiase and WCW. Yeah, he did. That's too bad. Yeah. I thought his was one of the truly ascendant, triumphant stories. These are sad stories. Yeah, under the economic policies of Jack Tunney. <laughs> Uh, Diesel beat Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental title on Superstars, which was surprising, and they really flipped the switch on him, because he had his, his first pay-per-view match was at Survivor Series 93, where he was, God forgive me, just another guy, but then he's like <laughs> killing guys in the Rumble, he's winning the belt, and getting world title shots on pay-per-view. Yeah, at Survivor Series he was just pinned by a move, I think. Yeah. By Randy Savage, maybe? I think it was Savage, yeah, which, you know, but still. And then he got real tough. I guess. I don't even know. Strange. And Sean basically just became his manager in between uh, WrestleMania and SummerSlam. Pretty much, yeah. Because uh, Sean was not in action. He had some sizable breaks. And uh, I won't say the end of the year he wasn't wrestling either. But Yeah, I know he broke his hand at the end of the year. In, be- mm. but, uh, in the spring, he may have just been chilling out. Could be. Anyway, on to May, and uh, Captain Lou Albano returned and challenged the Quebecers to defend the belts against the team of his choosing, which turned out to be the Head Shrinkers making a face turn. That match aired on May 2nd and saw the Shrinkers win the belts, and a uh, real good match, that's on the 94 Raw set. And the Quebecers teamed a bit longer, but broke up pretty soon afterwards, and they were only around for they were under a year, I think, and they burned brightly in their short run. <laughs> Indeed. And then it what did they do in between that and the amazing French Canadians stint in WCW? Well, uh, later on they had uh, Jacques Rougeau's retirement match, which drew like <laughs> the biggest crowd that year. Yes, all and they had uh, that was um, and then he promptly returned, and they were back in WCW like uh, next year, I think. So. Shortly. Presumably, we discussed this on a show we specifically did about those two think. wrestlers in their career, but that went. That may have been a, a rushed postscript to. Um, I see. <clears throat> we haven't discussed the Undertaker since the Rumble because he died, and he thus did. the streak of appearing at WrestleMania ended at three and zero. Anyway, people started seeing the Undertaker, <laughs> not just on the street or in the arena. But uh, in, like, say, a donut shop, and they had elaborate <laughs> stories where he asked for a coffin-shaped donut. The guy's like, oh, uh, you know, jelly ones are like that. I went to get him in the back. When I came back, he was gone. And they saw him in a pool, in a playground. I question those little kids' credibility, though, I just have to say. Mm-hmm. And because um, they say he slid down a slide and played on the monkey bars. <laughs> but uh, we later found out Ted DiBiase had made contact with The Undertaker. And was bringing him back as part of his stable. It was a kind of a rare bit of continuity as DiBiase uh, did bring The Undertaker in at Survivor Series 1990. And uh, he did have an Undertaker, at least. It was actually Brian Lee playing a fake Undertaker. And um, 
Yeah, and they uh, they dubbed in the Undertaker's voice on TV. So even though this Undertaker appeared a bit shorter, uh, you know there was doubts. It about still it. fooled me. I was twelve and not especially observant. <laughs> you bought this, huh? He did a rope walking thing. He did a tombstone. He wore <laughs> Undertaker clothes. What more? Do you... <laughs> he was called the Undertaker. I don't know. Curious. It's weird. It's kind of disturbing that these children saw some man on the playground in a trench coat who was, <laughs> I don't know, scooping yep. people's up and putting their crotches in his face. <laughs> this is so strange. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Hornswoggle, uh, he really didn't know what he was getting into with that whole Ariel Winter thing. Speaking of weird <laughs> kid relationships, you know. Good. Little did he know, or any of us. Uh, the earthquake had a sumo showdown with Yokozuna because they were both <laughs> sumos, at least. In- <laughs> uh, earthquake won, which is kind of odd, but whatever. Wait, really? Yeah, he he uh, won the sumo showdown. Wow. Uh, I guess he didn't want to do a job in a regular match to Yokozuna, which is weird because Yokozuna was the champ at a point and pushed uh-huh. Quake harder than Quake ever was. So he quit, and uh, he was appropriately replaced by Typhoon for a spell. That checks out. That's Yokozuna had a precipitous fall. You would think, like, he's like, I lost the championship, but Lex Luger, let's have semi-main events or whatever. But he's just like, ah, I'm going to wrestle the head shrinkers. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I made my point here. I don't need to be on SummerSlam. I'm good, guys. <laughs> I guess he did have a run with the Undertaker, but he, uh, that was in between, uh, WrestleMania and Survivor Series. He was just sort of, yep, sitting on people. Anyway, uh, started to be King of the Ring qualifying time. Always a fun time of year. I remember IRS being Scott Steiner and thinking it was bullshit in the worst thing. <laughs> But that was pretty much it for the uh, Steiners. And, uh, one, two, three kid beat Adam Bomb due to a quang screw up, leading to the monumental Adam Bomb face turn. And uh, Jeff Jarrett beat Lex Luger when Crush interfered, mainly so they could stick Crush in the ring to uh, replace Mr. Perfect. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they rolled. I didn't do the the math. It checks <laughs> out. And Luger and Crush, they had. Uh... Um, what do you call them? Stretcher matches. That's right, for some reason. Also weird for Luger after WrestleMania 10, he was like, I'll just wrestle Crush. But like you said, his, uh, yeah. plans, plans change, the- Justin. <laughs> plans change. Did they say, um, when, like, the week between WrestleMania and the time they thought they'd actually have Mr. Perfect do stuff, were they like, oh, Mr. Perfect must have been pissed about that whole hitting me with the forearm thing from way back when. I remember an interview when the uh, Midsic band alluded to that, but um, Perfect denied it, and we never got a chance to uh, go from there. Let's see. We got uh, vignettes for Duke the Dumpster Drossy, the wrestling garbage man. Do you know his uh, independent wrestling name? It was Rocco Gibraltar. <laughs> Should have gone with that. But uh, he had a trash can, and his music had beeps in it like a truck backing up. And uh, he had a cool finisher later, but he used an elbow drop to start. Didn't go over all that well. I always thought he was kind of a garbage wrestler. <laughs> Goodness. 
Yeah, another uh, wrestler deeply invested in his profession. <laughs> in that economy. Well. And President Clinton was at WrestleMania 10. He was. And they laughed about him uh, eating McDonald's. <laughs> that was in the Clinton is fat Phil Hartman stage of Clinton, and not the Bill Clinton has sex with sex Daryl Hammond stage. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, uh, more Observer notes. Bob Hawley is taking his gimmick seriously. He's been on the track four times this year at the Mobile International Speedway when he's not wrestling and has been black flagged, disqualified all four times. On May 14th, he was black flagged for jumping the starting gun, drove around the track, and tried to climb the fence to attack the flag man. <laughs> Again, checks out. Yeah. <laughs> when he showed up, I don't think either of us were like, man, this guy's going to have a 15-year run with this company. Forever. Yeah, and become a huge fucking dickhead. <laughs> Seemed like a nice guy. Yeah, he was doing back body drops, cross bodies, fighting out of headlocks with elbows <laughs> and hitting the ropes. All qualities I associated with nice people. <laughs> Not meant to be. <laughs> it is uh, on to June. It's worth noting Vince McMahon was about to go on federal trial at this time, which was as bad as 9-11, but we just didn't know it yet. <laughs> It was like a mini 9-11, mm. to be sure, fair. If you're uh, wondering what the WF would be like without Vince, you can look around this time. Vince was charged with conspiracy to distribute steroids, and <laughs> can you imagine all the Observer updates we'd get today? Like, <laughs> breaking news audio? Good God. You're right. And um, if you go look at the... I mean, I think Dave was at the trial, because he had, like, a whole issue. He, like, broke down every uh, witness's performance. Not with star ratings, but just... um. I believe uh, Nails had a dud... <laughs> I've heard um, they weren't MP3s. They were really large wave files of ah. the uh, hotlines, um, Observer hotlines from uh, 94 in the trial. And the one I've heard does mention it, but they lead off with the story about chemo pulling out of the <laughs> ultimate, ultimate. <laughs> uh. All right, let's talk uh, King of the Ring. You and I have pontificated on this event before, but... Uh... Braggots! <laughs> A couple of notes on the show. One, uh, Hulk Hogan had just signed with WCW, so the WF in response was pushing the new generation concept, which boils down to, hey, remember all that wrestling you loved as a kid? It was stupid, with its big building <laughs> and television exposure. Those guys were slow and lazy. Uh, they didn't help their cause, because uh, they headlined the show with Roddy Piper and Jerry Lawler, or when they interviewed, I think it was the governor of Maryland, and he said his favorite wrestler was Hulk Hogan. Also not helping the show, Art Donovan, <laughs> Hall of Famer and guest commentator for the whole show. And uh, I guess Art had a, uh, I think he appeared on David Letterman and uh, was kind of a, a local presence, being a wacky guy. And it was not uncommon to have guest commentators. We had Steve Allen for WrestleMania Six, I think Ray Combs for Survivor Series 93. But they only did a match, and uh, Art was around for the whole show and was... Um, obsessed with people's weights and uh, didn't seem to really know what was going on around him. Not so much, no. I don't think he filled out his brackets. He not. <laughs> he was uh, always asking how much guys weigh. My favorite was uh, I think uh, Gorilla did a long breakdown of uh, who Lex Luger was when he came to the ring. I think Art to ask, who is this guy? <laughs> Spangled trunks. As I said before, it's kind of like an an audio commentary that's the actual show 
It's like a bizarre, you know, like some. Yeah. <laughs> it's a commentary track. Yeah, it's... looking around. What's going on? <laughs> this was a really challenging shoot. As for the action, it was uh, it was okay. Brenton Diesel had uh, actually a really good match. That saw Jim Neidhart return and run in at the end after Jackknife. And Brett Diesel's kind of one of the hidden great feuds of the mid '90s. They always they had like I think four pay per views, and I know they were worked pretty well together on at least uh, three of them. I can't mm-hmm. remember the cage match they had. I have to rewatch that. Neidhart was mind blowing to me at the time, as was Owen uh, feuding with Brett because. Um, that and then what we'll get to with the second with the British Bulldog was like stuff I secretly knew, mm. being super informed at the time that like these dudes were all related, and then it all came and boiled over. Plus, it was a logical thing there with Neidhart had to counteract Shawn Michaels. It was yeah. like who better than my man Jim the Anvil Neidhart? He will never betray me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Owen Hart won the tournament. He had a um, a short but Pretty crazy match with the one two three kid, but that's really the only memorable thing from the tournament. Uh Nightheart helped him win. Kind of a kind of a uh kinda of like a little swerve you used to see. You see nowadays now, like, oh this guy's gonna turn face. Oops, no he didn't. <laughs> they, did, they did it here, which was um a little surprising for ninety four. <clears throat> also looking uh, checked out, right? Because Diesel jackknife Bret Hart and then Anvil uh just ran in and hit Diesel. Yep, ran in for the DQ. Which I guess Brett probably hated because he looked like a dude who was about to lose to Diesel. He but, uh... totally did, but um. <laughs> and then he came in and gave a secret heart attack to Razor Ramon. Mm. Not the secret heart attack that Scott Hall will <laughs> suffer this year. But... <laughs> oh, and um. Also of note, uh, they caught oh the uh, head shrinkers took on, um, Crush and Yokozuna who were large, large men, but it didn't matter because Lex Luger showed up and cost them the match. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Another more observer. Yet another subtle change in the WF wrestling product has taken place in order to make it even more sanitized and alleviate potential pressure being brought to you to threaten governmental regulation of violence on television. I'm not sure how much of this will apply to arena shows, but on television there will be no more crotch shots. Uh, choking with two hands, eye gouging, foreign objects, including use of chairs, tables, flagpoles, tennis rackets, etc., or anything that falls under the dubious category of overly aggressive behavior. Interviews and any commentary, there can be no physical threats, such as promises to break someone's arm or leg. Razor Ramon can no longer flick his toothpick as well. You thought PP was bad today. And uh, Jerry Lawler did an angle with Duke Drossy where he attacked him with a garbage can. I guess he cleared it with the wrong people because he had to apologize the next week. Yow. Always weird when they're like, I'm sorry that I, I beat up a wrestler unfairly. <laughs> that shouldn't have happened. I know I'm not supposed to do that. At least he wasn't fired like Daniel Bryan. Oh, that's right. Well, he didn't choke him with a tie, so. I'll I wait the, uh, the Daniel Bryan DVD someday so we can figure out what the hell happened there. <laughs> yep. I would like to know. Oh, we should mention uh, the Jerry Lawler um, Roddy Piper feud. I don't know why they were feuding, they just kind of worked. <laughs> And they brought out the Piper imitator, who was just some guy, who I think sent in a tape in and got a couple thousand dollar paydays out of it. But uh, the Jason sensation of his day imitating Roddy Piper. He was the, yeah, I'm probably at the time believed he was the real Roddy Piper. If I was that impressed <laughs> by the Undertaker fake. 
<laughs> or under faker, if you will. Oh, yes. Sure, I will. The, well, the fake Ray Piper was like the skinniest man ever. Mm-hmm. He bought some sandwiches with uh, <laughs> the earnings. And the Pipers were reunited in the conclusion of that match, yep. right? Yep, it all worked out. All right, uh, DiBiase on June 20th. Uh, I don't know why that makes no sense. On June 20th, the one, two, three kid defeated Nikolai Volkov to earn a shot at Bret Hart, which was an awesome match. And Volkov attacked the kid afterwards, leading Lex Luger to make the save. Afterwards, DiBiase said he had his eye on the services of Luger and revealed to Jerry Lawler he had, in fact, added him to a stable. <laughs> this led to a Tatanka appearance on the Heartbreak Hotel. We acted like he was breaking the news. And when Sean asked for proof, they just aired the King's Court where DiBiase <laughs> said he acquired him. Huh. DiBiase was out to watch a Luger Diesel uh, Intercontinental title match, and, but didn't interfere. This led to a Heartbreak Hotel where DiBiase said he had Luger there. Luger did come out, but before he could say anything, Tatanka came out and argued with DiBiase. Point being that Tatanka was jealous and he couldn't beat Luger. Luger finally spoke up and said uh, no, but Tatanka wasn't buying it. He kept saying he could beat Luger at any time. Finally, they just said, hey, screw it, let's do it, let's have a match. Justin, what did you think of all of this? Yeah, as I've, I think, established, I'd like to take people, I liked to take people at face value at this time, so I was pretty confused. I was just like, I don't know, I mean, I'm not really seeing it here, and then uh, all suspicions were confirmed with the shocking truth. Yes, this was... Now, I mean, Joe, I'll tell you, I certainly didn't believe that Lex Luger had sold out. However, I had no inclination at the same time that, I mean, of all people, Native American Tanaka would sell out. This Little was... did I know. Yes, this was a story of a man wrongly accused and persecuted unfairly. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> July... We started getting vignettes for Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. All right. So Major League Baseball went on strike in August 1994. You may remember the WAF ads where the Macho Man consoles the young baseball fan that they will never go on strike because they don't have a union. <laughs> uh, the idea was to capitalize... A union of people you ought to respect. <laughs> yes, besides them. Uh, the idea was to capitalize on this, though so they dusted off Steve Lombardi's MVP character from the prior year. <clears throat> the idea being that he would blame the fans for the strike for heat. Problems uh, included, he was supposed to be a ball player, but you had never heard of him, and they never mentioned what team he played for. <laughs> B, he wore baseball makeup like he was a mascot. C, he was treated like an old-timey baseball player, <laughs> but the announcer was like, uh, you know, Abe Schwartz, what do you think of today's ball players?" <laughs> and uh, his nickname was Knuckleball. And uh, he appeared to be a hitter during his vignettes, at least, unless he played in the National League. And uh, I guess E, he was left out of the recent uh, Jewish jocks book, unfairly. So um, this was short-lived. He played Brooklyn, but I don't know. Now, if he had been a disgruntled mascot out of a job because of the strike, I think it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. But if he was supposed to be – he was supposed to be a ball player, right? It seemed to – I mean – Is your um... – Abe Knuckleball Schwartz fanfic still hosted at thecubsfan.com? I'll have to ask him when I send this to him. It's somewhere in the attic. Goodness. No, it, it didn't. I mean, if, and Abe Knuckleball <laughs> Schwartz, usually they would uh, form some kind of clever initials out of that, like RBI or what have you. And nope, AKS is not anything. 
Nope. Except a pile of assault rifles, I guess. <laughs> hey, Kays. Uh, he was kind of a proto-MVP in uh, the <laughs> little jock, but uh, <clears throat> handled in a different way several years later. Yeah, he was half-man, zero, amazing. <laughs> I said half-man, zero for a second. <laughs> a curious gimmick that would be. Yeah, Mantar. <laughs> Uh, Joey Morella passed away in a car accident on July 4th, continuing the bizarre 4th of July curse that included Bruce Beefcake's parasailing accident and Adrian Dawson's death. And in fact, Morella had been in an accident on a previous and, July 4th. Uh, Bob Backlund's failure to slam you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was hoping not to laugh at this part. <laughs> and uh, the time Mohammed Hassan killed a number of people in London. <laughs> Uh, isn't it weird? Like, I'm surprised there aren't more, like, wrestling travel fatalities just with the, I mean, even now with the sheer amount of travel, like, you don't hear, like, a lot about car accidents unless, like, Lillian Garcia, I guess, was the guy in the last. That is, yeah, I mean, they certainly travel a lot. Remember, they were all stranded in, on the other continent. Mm. Oh, yeah. Surprising they didn't just, like, get them over here. Come on. Fly through a bunch of, uh, suit. But like in the um, in the seventies, where it's like, yeah, we have to have seven hundred miles, and we had a six pack, and we were, <laughs> but we made it there, and it's mm-hmm. in sixty minutes. And I'm like, I don't know. We should move on. There's no we are Marshall in pro wrestling. <laughs> uh, uh, we had mentioned Ted DiBiase. It's only we are martial arts Quang, <laughs> some kind of joke like that. Mm, that should be the next barbershop window shirt that you won't. <laughs> Uh, we had mentioned Ted DiBiase had acquired the services of The Undertaker, but Paul Bear returned. Allegedly. Said that DiBiase's Undertaker was a fake. This led to a confrontation on the King's Court where, uh, DiBiase's Undertaker put Paul Bear in a chokehold, but then the dong sounded. Paul Bear teleported to the aisleway. <laughs> another Undertaker who said the fake Undertaker would be destroyed at SummerSlam. Justin, what was going on? How could there be two Undertakers? And who could solve this? First of all, we are Crystal Marshall. <laughs> Second of all, um, have you ever seen the film The Prestige? I have not, no. Well, people who have know that I guess there's just some kind of cloning machine, so that's how. All right, checks out. Undertaker is magic. I think we've established this. Okay. He's a magical man. shoots lightning. He controls the lights. And uh, his brother's a demon from hell. And he did, at least in the 90s, run his own actual funeral parlor and <laughs> filled the caskets. So, read into all that what you will. Also, he rolled at the time and uh, picked up some, some maneuvers. Hmm. Checks out. And he secretly wanted to wear purple and just wanted a reason. <laughs> he had it at last. God, the purple. All right, uh... Bob Backlund had, uh, oh, by the way, they started vignettes where, um, Leslie Nielsen, actor, uh, <laughs> who played a police detective in a series of comical films, um, had vignettes where he tried to solve this mystery. And, uh, he was bumbling, as they say. He didn't realize The Undertaker delivered a Domino's pizza to his door. God. Yeah. Hmm. Anywho. I, I don't want to. 
nothing I can say. Um, let's see. Bob Backlund had earned himself a title match against Bret Hart by beating the Brooklyn Brawler roughly 50 times in a row. <laughs> they had a uh, match on Superstars, which is worth checking out. Bret won. And after the match, Bob Backlund had enough, Justin. He snapped. He locked on the cross-faced chicken wing and didn't let go. When he finally did, he stared at his hands in a gesture I copy to this day. <laughs> and uh, there's a rumor Papa Shango was behind this and cast a spell on Bob, but that was thankfully not true. I wish it were. Um, I mean, Charles Wright was teed up, and uh, he had to wait a little bit for the big Papa Shango move. Hmm. But uh, I don't know. That match was good, though. Here's the problem: Bob Backlund thought he won, but it was merely a two count. Yep. And I don't. I just like the idea of the guy going nuts. You know. Least of all, Bob Backlund. Yeah. Like, God, when was the last time we talked about him? It was like the, for the '93 Rumble, I think. Mm-hmm. Quite a showing. Mm. Anyway, more on that later. In uh, oh, but here's a interesting uh, result. In uh, Owen and Brett doing house show matches. They had an Iron Man match. In Nassau, they were tied at the end of 60 minutes with Brett winning in sudden death. So, you know, <laughs> don't want to hear that bitching anymore about <laughs> WrestleMania 12. He knew the rules. Uh, Scandalous. Typical hypocrisy. <laughs> uh, and that's why Montreal was justified. <laughs> uh, uh, another tidbit for those who listen to the WF Radio Show. The regular caller who goes by the name Disco Inferno is Glenn Gilbernetti, the Georgia indie wrestler who used the Disco Inferno name in Memphis. He's friends with Johnny Polo. So Disco breaking out uh, the year before he got hired in WCW. Hmm. What a showing. All right. I bet WWF Magazine Vince Russo liked what he heard. <laughs> Goodness, that's true. He was, wait, let's see. He was doing the radio show... While the steroid trial was going on. That's the sordid Vince Russo history, right? So maybe I believe so, yes. WWF magazine writer yet. Okay. Um, <clears throat> he had to sell out uh, John Arezzi. Is that Here's a- just a series of, I don't know. Okay. A series of names that crop up over that time that I have no idea who they are. Like uh, Laura Brevetti <laughs> and um, Emily Feinberg. And, um, um, Paul Bearer. No, that's all I got. Okay. Uh, let's see. August, Luna, uh, Luna Vachon brought in Bull Nakano to a feud with Alundra Blaze, still the women's champ. And, um, I don't know, do you think that was the peak of, uh, women's wrestling in the WWF? Their, uh, their little run together? Um, I feel like. Trish Stratus' career, if you just want to pick, like, a good six-month run she had. But uh, prior to that, for sure, yeah. I don't know. Who's Trish? I guess, I don't know. Maybe just the Trish, some combination of that time Lita and Stephanie McMahon main evented Raw and did, like, an 8.0 rating. I remember that. Four years later, Trish and Lita main evented Raw during a less popular era and Yes. Lita fell on her head, and they had an awesome match. <laughs> oh, I remember that. That's right. Yeah. Okay then. One of those, but that I. As far as uh, eh, I don't know. There was a period in 2003 when there were like four women who were competent at the same time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who the number two contender at this point was. Probably still Leilani Kai. 
just by virtue of dropping down the ladder. I think Hailey Morgan actually works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I mean, now that you mention it, Bull Nakano was certainly a hell of a lot better than any WWE woman ever. So mm-hmm. perhaps just by virtue of her being there. All right. Uh, let's see. Another tidbit. TCI of South Maine, the cable company in Bitford, Maine, accidentally aired an adult movie in place of SummerSlam on A29. Even though only 30 or 40 homes in the cable system had ordered SummerSlam, the company received about 300 complaining calls. The funniest thing in a newspaper article about the incident was a caller who says two children, ages 8 and 11, watched the movie for 15 minutes before they realized it wasn't the wrestling show. I'm not sure if those kids need to be watching more wrestling or less wrestling if it took that long to figure out they weren't watching SummerSlam. I guess it would just, like, could start as a backstage vignette and wonder where it's going to. I don't know. This plumber is. It's both uh, feature um, in shape men and women, so mm-hmm. often in a state of undress. Correct. <laughs> Same level of actually... acting. <laughs> it's what led uh, Bob Ryder to pen that famous editorial, Raw is Porn. Oh, yeah. Uh. All right, let's get into, uh, I think SummerSlam was coming together. Let's get into it. Uh, the high point was the Brett Owen Cage match, which went a long time, like 35 minutes, and it's uh, it's really good. And this saw the Bulldog come back as Brett finally escaped the cage. Um, match goes on a little long for me, but it's still super good. You, That's something you should see. It's was It's like a realistic match of how you would have a fight where your goal was to crawl out of a cage. Yep. It's like, no, don't. Because they do these escape matches today where dudes will just be like, Finisher of Doom, I will walk towards this door. Please open the door. I'm getting out the... Oh, you got me. <laughs> Whereas this was just like crawling for every inch of door space. Hmm? Uh, the opposite side, the Undertaker-Undertaker match was not good, and the crowd was so quiet they busted out the... Uh, this crowd is in stunned silence. <laughs> and uh, the plan was actually to have them team up afterwards as a proto-Brothers of Destruction, but it went over so poorly it just didn't go anywhere. What would you rather seen? The uh, Oh, I guess we could combine those two ideas. Imagine the Undertakers, the good version of satanic powers, united against Papa Shango and Bob Backlund's Voodoo Kin Mafia. Oh, there you go. Voodoo Kin Mafia. I like that. So, um... Who was the guy Ted DiBiase dug up? No pun intended. Um, uh, he seemed to have some kind of powers, right? Did he get sold a, uh, was it a bum bill of goods? I don't know. It was a placebo. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, when I lift this urn, you're feeling it, right? And he was like, I guess. <laughs> Unaware that DiBiase laced his, uh, pre-match pasta with amphetamines or whatever. <laughs> it's like, I'm feeling it, the power uh, of the urn. Hmm. Uh, uh, what else happened there? Oh, it turned out, as we mentioned, Tatanka was the one who sided with DiBiase, not Luger. No way. He prosecuted. But that's the opposite of what they said. I know. Wait, so... um. So by that logic... The conspiracy to distribute anabolic steroids was actually inspired by the state of New York. I, um, 
why did they go through this plan here? Why didn't they just... <laughs> they're like, oh, man, I don't like Lex Luger. Let's put one over on him. Let's make him feel like a damnable fool. I've, I have questions about Ted DiBiase's uh, machinations around this time. Maybe they brokered the deal just day of SummerSlam. And Tatanko's like, ah, I could, sure. I guess that's true. I would like some of that money. (laughs) You make sense. (laughs) I've been paying all my taxes on that (laughs) damn headdress. Now, is that awkward? Because DiBiase had acquired Bam Bam and IRS at this time in their state. His least favorite people. Mm. Rick Marcello would be his third least favorite person. I guess this, uh, I guess, you know. Back then, if you were a bad guy, hey, mm-hmm. I'm aboard. Good to see you. That was so fun about CM Punk's very short-lived Survivor Series tag team. Is You're just like, guys, I beat all of you in championship matches, and it was hilarious. <laughs> and they were just like, urgh. At a house show I went to, I, uh, the fans voted on a lumberjack match between Punk and the Big Show. And whenever... Uh, Punk was thrown out to the heel side. They just all kind of patted him on the back. Because, <laughs> you know, fighting for the cause. Oath of heels. Oath of heels. Like, we you're... see the world in a similar way. Miz uh-huh. <sighs> patted him on the back, even though Punk kind of buried him on his... Uh... Uh, I feel bad for Miz. I really did. Uh, so, let's see what else happened. There's supposed to be a tag title match between the Head Shrinkers and... Before mentioned Bam Bam IRS, but the night before Diesel and Sean won the tag titles at a house show for no good reason. <laughs> Ever like, why not do it on Raw the next night? If you, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I can't find a good answer, and I I don't think I ever will. Search me. If I wrote to Dave, he'd just be like, don't, I, I don't remember this month. <laughs> There's month. only one man who knew. Yeah, I don't know. That man was Walter Payton. <laughs> <laughs> Took that secret to a grave. Another young wrestling death. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that chuckle wasn't at the expense of Walter Payton. But... Uh, oh, and Razor won back the Intercontinental title when Sean accidentally kicked Diesel, but they were still the tag champs. Everything was okay. Hmm? That'll never happen again. Everything's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, on September, Bob Backlund continued to go insane, slapping the dreaded crossface chicken wing on a bunch of wrestlers and even his old manager, Arnold Skoland. There was a segment on Raw where he demonstrated... And, I'm sorry, senior WWF magazine editorialist Lou Gianfredo. I was going to say this. He he demonstrated the hold on a writer, which is the worst idea ever. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, and Dominican Sue can tackle really hard. Let's bring <laughs> demonstrate. Like, what? No, but uh, Bob did a great job. This is pretty compelling stuff for, like, <laughs> the worst guy on the roster. <laughs> it worked. Yeah, this but was... not really, but I mean, it was got a dude in for three months. I was the move was very over with me at the time. They should give moves to these writers today. Uh-huh. They ain't no good. Oh, this was uh, quite a uh, worst. I mean, yeah, worst the first turn as far as entertainment value goes. Uh, like um, maybe Ginger Mahal in the uh, <laughs> band. That is, I would say, a valid comparison. There you go. So, uh, what else happened? The Barbarian came back for a surprise run during the summer and found himself... I don't know tr- no Barbarian. I only know Sione. Nay. When uh, Simu got hurt, or I think left the company, he was Sione, and they had a short-lived run. 
Um, <laughs> I could tell this was the barbarian, and he wore his barbarian gear a few times earlier. There's also a storyline where Captain Lou made Fatu wear boots, <laughs> them, and it kept messing him up. And this is uh, this was bad micromanagement on his part, I have to say, from the guiding light. Yeah, for a supposed Hall of Fame manager. Yeah, like why would you mess with a good thing? It's like you Think know, of how I, tactically outclassed the team of uh, Crush and Yokozuna was with seven-time worst manager <laughs> Mr. Fuji going against Hall of Fame manager. Lou Albano. Yeah. Did uh wait? Did he make the Observer Hall of Fame this year? I believe yeah, so. I All right, cool. And he was an early entrant in the WWF Hall of Fame, right? Must also be. believe so. Okay. I vote for neither. All right. <laughs> so you? Oh no! I thought. Oh no! You're the only one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just remember that. You should. I shouldn't, though. I mean, I, the yeah. history of wrestling, like, what would I do? I made some jokes about wrestling for the last ten years. Still. <laughs> I don't know anything. It's not my place. I think Vince Verhey has one, and God love him, but I don't think he's <laughs> working too hard on his ballot thing. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, Vince's ballot is, here's a guy and he was fine. Uh, all right. He was every Hall of Famer you've ever seen. He was. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, you know who came back in October? King Kong Bundy. No way. New generation, everyone. And um, yeah, even I was like, really, King Kong Bundy? That was. <laughs> no. But they have it. He retained all of his desires to pin people for longer than the necessary <laughs> amount of time. Not just three, five. Nope. Uh, it turns out the WWF was getting killed by the NFL pregame shows on Sunday. So All American Wrestling went the way of the Buffalo and was replaced by the Here's Daz. <laughs> it was replaced by the Action Zone featuring Action, and uh, it actually did because the first show had Bret and Owen and Owen's Last Chance in a good match, and then the pretty classic Diesel Sean against Razor one two three Kid tag match, which you haven't seen, go see it. And then in January, ratings went up, and the company was turning around. <laughs> <laughs> WWE main event on Wednesday's run of uh, marquee matches lasted longer than the Action Zone has. <laughs> I don't know. They still... Well, I don't know. What can you do, you know? Mm-hmm. There's only so much. <laughs> All these hours to fill. Uh, let's see. Charlie Min debuted as a backstage interviewer, event center guy. I really had no memory of him, so I checked YouTube. And one of the first things that comes up is a uh, WF Action Zone Asian guy is nuts. <laughs> and he was a kind of a sub Pettengale kind of guy. He did not last long. But uh, no, did, he but, doesn't. Did, without I, the internet, would not have known about him. Mm-hmm. Just didn't know. Don't know nothing about no Charlie Min. <laughs> Charlie Min. He was, I think, another uh, morning. Stephanie Wine, though, she was an important voice. I think they were pushing towards a younger. Uh, as I cough, announce a team. Even JR back then, I think, was pushed out. <laughs> yeah, they definitely were the voice of my generation, Todd Pentengill and Stephanie Wine. Oh, for those wondering about Vince being worried on trial, they hired Jim Ross. It's all good. Month extension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Vince is like, I'll be back. And he was. He beat the rap. That's right, he did. Federal government the next night. 
And Ross was like, oh, one day I'm going to be so mad about this, I'm going to bring in two guys who look like two other guys. <laughs> the ultimate plan of revenge. I would say, I mean, T- Todd and Stephanie, no sexual chemistry. Josh Matthews and Rue DeBona, that was a sizzling couple. Was? And, uh, that went It's a shame about Rue. Yeah. I wonder where she is now. She used to be in part of some lackluster girls singing group, right? That was her. Really? I thought so. That was her original claim to fame. I maybe... I'm going to use a, what I technically describe as a search engine. Right. Did you mean Rudabona? One word? Yes. <laughs> Here's while I get this. My... Oh. <laughs> Debona was a member of a pop group named. Boy Crazy with a K mm. instead ah. of a C. They had the hit single That's What Love Can Do in 1993. At what age? Oh. My God. I guess Rue was deboning it in 2004. <laughs> so I guess she would have been 29? Know that? This is strange. But my rankings would go um, one. No, I'll do it for drama in reverse. Three, Rue DeBona. Mm-hmm. Two, Marissa Mazzola. Mm. And one, uh, Rebecca B- Budig oh, on yeah. the short-lived MTV Heat. I do remember All of that. them. I wish all of them had become the voice of Raw. Eh. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Nope. All right. Uh, on to our... talked about Jacques Rougeau. That was the last Johnny Polo appearance. Uh, he would be Raven soon. November, Randy yeah. Savage. Or... Was, the character of Johnny Polo, I think, was succumbing to a heroin <laughs> addiction over this time. <laughs> Something along those lines. He discovered, uh, like, uh, Mud Honey or some other <laughs> crunch music. Tad. <laughs> uh, let's see. Randy Savage abruptly left the company. They couldn't come to terms, both with Hogan and WCW. He knew he could go there. And headline makes some big cash. And perhaps most surprising, on November 7th, Vince flat out said Savage and the WF failed to come to terms. And he heavily praised him for all the good he had done the company, talked to being a fan, and he wished him well in whatever endeavors he would go on in the future. And you can make all the uh, Oliver Nose jokes you want, but Savage was the last link to the old 80s glory days, and uh, it really was the new generation now. Except for King Kong Bundy and... Well, yes. <laughs> and Backlund, yeah. But, yeah, that was a jarring thing for me. Vince was so sad. He was called himself, like, the number one macho fan. No. And then... <laughs> I never came believe, back. to this day, has nothing but good things to think about Randy Macho Man Savage. Very strange. Savage just... Everyone else came back? Savage never did. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway... What else we got? Uh, Bull Nakano won the women's title in Japan, then was suspended, I guess, for drugs, because she got fired for coke in 95, so they would stand to reason. Yep. <laughs> Here is uh, an impossible <laughs> from the Observer. Lots of talk of Hercules coming in as a Cuban gang member from Razor Ramon's past to feud with him. <laughs> that can't be true. Everyone needs the nails. <laughs> yeah, because the first one went over so well. Especially when he choked Vince McMahon. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Especially when Vince McMahon tried to molest him. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
uh, Survivor Series build, uh, things were largely a continuation of prior feuds, although Jerry Lawler and Doink started playing pranks with each other. Counteract uh, Doink, Lola brought in his own midget named Queasy and turned into a midget's arms race as soon as it was Dink, Wink, and Pink against Cheesy, Queasy, and Sleazy. Also, they moved uh, Backlund Brett to an I Quit match and a casket rematch between Taker and um, Yokozuna. It was real uh, mutually assured destruction with this escalation of uh, shorter than the average arms race. Yes. I was confused at the time. I would, you know, write down the Survivor Series card in school and, like, list all the teams together. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, you have to wait week by week to see what developments would come in those teams. And they added, like, one midget per team per week. Yep. And what I followed, uh, through pattern recognition, <laughs> was that all these names rhymed. And we had gotten to four of them, and then I, all up until the show, I was racking my brain trying to come up with a fifth member of the team, and indeed a fourth midget for each team, mm. and I just couldn't find anything that uh, rhymed with the easy rhyme scheme and the ink rhyme scheme. So, it was a pretty tough November for a young Justin Shapiro, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think mm. I ended up with, like, Stink and you know, <laughs> a man called Stink. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't even know. I, I can't think of anything right now. You could do oh Weezy. You could do Z, and he has emphysema. <laughs> Be played by Sapphire because <laughs> of that. Show. Oh no! That's not. I don't think that's racist. I... <laughs> I think it's less racist than the name Sapphire, so. Good point. Anyways, uh, Survivor Series, another okay but not great show. And, um, the show kicked off with the team of the Teamsters, a top five Survivor Series name. <laughs> Diesel, Sean, Owen, Anvil, and Jeff Jarrett against the obligatory bad guys of Fraser Ramon, Fraser, the Head Shrinkers, Bulldog, and Kid. Basically, Diesel eliminated everyone on the other team by himself, three by Jackknife, and Bulldog by Countout, leaving Razor one on five. But Sean super kicked him again. They argued outside the ring. The other tried to calm him down. Everyone got counted out. Not satisfying. That was some Bill's Euler shit. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe what had befallen me. At the time, my two favorite wrestlers, I don't know why, were Owen Hart and Shawn Michaels. I guess because I respected their work great. And, uh... My brothers, who were three and four years younger than me, respectively, of course, they were all like, good guys, good guys are good. They break at four. They do ten punches at the corner. They make a comeback and do back body drop. And I was like, oh, Teamsters five, a bad guy's one. And they were frowning, and then the argument started, and I was like, hey, 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 ah! <laughs> that was just a catastrophic turn of events. Really? Just, I guess. How, how good can Razor feel about that win? <laughs> he just, they all left. Because <laughs> the other team left. Mm-hmm. That's it. Bullshit. Uh, Bullshit. Up next was uh, Doink and Company against the King's Court. 
when I went back to rewatch this, I was expecting like to hate this, like, oh my god, Clowns are us against uh Team Bam Bam, but <laughs> I really enjoyed this match. It was like ten minutes of just like you know, Memphis goofy comedy and I, I eat that up. And then uh Lawler eliminated Doink first and they picked off the midgets for a clean sweep. But then all the uh, little folks turned on Lawler afterwards for some comeuppance. Hubris. Exactly. Is it true that Pink was um, <clears throat> Peter Dinklage? <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Peter Eater Pinklage or something like that? Mm-hmm. So, no. Yeah. Let's just go with no. Okay. Is it true that Sleazy, Queasy, and Cheesy were the knights from the two years, one year before? That's not true. Oh, okay. Uh, next match was Brett and uh, Backlund in the submission match. Another really long match for Brett. Uh, to be it, fair, the half of that match was Brett lying, lying in the that, yeah. crossface chicken wing. <clears throat> uh, basically, the Bulldog, Brett's second, got knocked out like an idiot chasing Owen. <laughs> and he must have been like, severe brain damage because he was out for quite a while. <laughs> uh, Owen saw what was happening to his brother Started pleading with Helen Hart to do something Saying he didn't want to see it end up like this He seemed legit upset It was funny because Stu's like, hell no And he like took the <laughs> towel Like, we're not doing this As his son was getting tortured in front of him But Helen eventually threw in the towel Bob Backlund was the WWF champion but it Turned out it was all a ruse by Owen Good grief Owen was, was Owen was so sad I know Yep. Ellen was nonplussed, but <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I'm gonna. I had. Uh, I had two theses. I'm gonna to um, unleash here. I think uh, Brett and Owen was the best long-term storyline the WWF ever did, in terms of uh, certainly match quality, and uh, I think I thought the interviews were very, very strong. I thought it had some uh, real good booking, and if you consider that, if you think consider it ended here, because they didn't really. Um, feud again until they, they got back together. Like, it had a sad ending. Like They didn't get back together. They were still broken up. That's pretty amazing. I guess that's true, yeah. And then Owen was just like, I give up, Brett. I'm going to go do other stuff. I guess the storyline with Brett and Yoko, I mean Owen and Yokozuna when it started, was that Owen was going to win all the titles in, that Brett did in order, if yes. I recall correctly. Something like that, although it was... But Brett never... didn't give a shit. No. <laughs> he was... Well, he was too busy fighting a bunch of goofballs in 95, yeah. as we'll document later. It's good. It's yeah. too bad Brett and Diesel weren't in the wild card match. That would have been a cool, like, heart foundation. That's true. Versus proto-click, N-W-O-D-X. Mm-hmm. Uh, next was the million-dollar team, obligatory, of Bam Bam, Tatanka, Bundy, and the subcontracted Heavenly Bodies <laughs> against Guts and Glory. Of a Luger, Mabel, Adam Bomb, and the Smoking Guns. Another depressing match as the Evil Corporation won, but not before Luger got a moral victory in eliminating Tatanka. Mm-hmm. At least uh, Steve wasn't the All Americans again. Yeah. Precious little to say about this. Sorry. It was not. Yeah, it was. Here's a- what's interesting: it was the first year in uh, six years that teams of five strove to survive. I mean, when I say it in the past tense, it doesn't rhyme, but... Because <laughs> uh, for such a long time, teams of four strive to... Um, endure. Endure. Yes. <laughs> nice job. Skype pounds. 
finally, the Undertaker got his revenge against Yokozuna by winning a casket match where Internet Mame Chuck Norris was the special outside enforcer. Chuck hey, Norris, Chuck star Norris. of uh, Walker, Texas Ranger at the time. A popular television show. Um, yeah, but I heard that Chuck Norris isn't a guest enforcer. The enforcers are really Chuck Norris. <laughs> strong and tough and stuff. Checks out. That's <laughs> one of them, right? I think so. Yeah. And uh, I oh, wasn't the deal that like it was to prevent a Royal Rumble situation of uh, hired only, guns? I think. It, um, Bam Bam. Jeff Jarrett tried Chuck. Yeah, Norris. Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, he messed with Chuck Norris and he got a kick in the gut for that. Bam Bam and someone else tried. I want to say Adam Bomb, but he was a face at the time, so I don't know. Someone tried to interfere, but IRS actually did sneak into the ring. So yeah, uh, IRS got Chuck his Norris, move in. Yeah, not uh, not so good. But uh, Could Chuck Norris is such a Tea Party conservative. I don't know how he feels about the IRS. <laughs> yes, IRS was mad at the Undertaker because he was dead and not paying taxes. Correct. We did. Well, yeah, was he doing the vignettes? Um, he was in leading up to this. Yes, he was. He would go to graveyards and be like, "All these dead people are, for whatever reason, not paying taxes." <laughs> for some unknown like, reason. I'm no political scientist, Joe. Like, I know we talk about policy a lot on this show. I know you're a big policy wonk. It's true. So I don't know what the estate tax is, but <laughs> perhaps that's what he was talking about. Could be. Hmm. Yeah, well, uh, anyway. Oh, we should mention that uh, Sean and Diesel, uh, after they, they vacated the tag titles, another in a long stretch of Sean titles he did not lose. <laughs> so, um... Sean in his book put it pretty succinctly. He was just like, hey, Vince, if we're going to be having matches, should we lose to some fucking smoking gun or whoever? <laughs> Can't we just not have these belts anymore? Sure. I can't wait to talk about that tournament in our next show. What a Well, we can actually uh, we can start into it collection. now. It happened in oh, I guess it's December. So, actually, can I just quickly ask you, uh, did, did the Undertaker... Again, all cards on the table. Did no research other than watching this when it happened in '94. Did the Undertaker Yoko match kick off like the eight month odyssey of Undertaker beating her a heel and then having his urn shit stolen <laughs> by the be- next heel? I believe so, because Bundy was next, right? After, mm-hmm. uh, yes. That was quite. And then Kama. The Kama melted machine. it. Yep. And then I think maybe when Undertaker finally murdered Kama, he kept his. <laughs> God. But we'll figure that out next time. God, 95. <laughs> uh, we should know, as Bob Backlund uh, talked about as a long-term champion, but um didn't quite come to pass. Bob made his first defense at Madison Square Garden the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I remember tuning False in. False report, motherfucker. <laughs> he made his first defense against the British Bulldogs oh. the Friday before in Pittsburgh oh, in a yeah. match I saw. Wow. You, mm-hmm. you got to see Bob Backlund uh, second reign as the Yeah, champion. I settled in for a long one. Oh. It may have been a non-title match. I just know that Howard Finkel said, due to injuries <laughs> suffered at the so-called Survivor Series, the Bret Hart, Bob Backlund, Bret Hart's out of the match, and the British Bulldog uh, will step in. 
Wow. I'm, I'm on History of WWE to confirm yeah. this, just to I make sure it's not one of my Kesha recording your <laughs> Yeah, November 25th, Pittsburgh Civic, Pittsburgh Civic Arena. Who else was on that uh, card there? I'm having trouble finding it. Oh, I guess hmm. Pierre defeated the 1-2-3 kid. All right. Duke Drosy, a.k.a. the Dumpster, defeated Mo. Mo wasn't even bad yet. Um, yeah, Mo had gotten hurt uh, in the summer, so I don't know, maybe did some soul searching. <laughs> his time off. Hmm. To reconsider his lot in life. Maybe Mo was just like not following the trash code or something. I would love to <laughs> see the Duke Drosy Mo babyface house show feud. Drosy was <laughs> like, "You should recycle." Mo was like, "I had a rough upbringing." <laughs> Um, Diesel in his, I guess, first babyface match. Well, no, it looks like the Survivor Series was uh, the beginning of the week. Then they had two. I don't care. Diesel wrestled (laughs) King Kong Bundy. That match was probably really good. Sure. Where did they beat King Kong Bundy when I assume he was on his, like, ascent to be a strong fat man to eventually lose The Undertaker? Mm. Bulldog beat Bob Backlund by countout, so... Real strong champ. I should have known. How did that do? I'm sure I'm asking too much, but do you remember what happened? Did Bob walk out? Was he? Uh, uh, let me check my fan cam. <laughs> <laughs> I recorded on a Viewmaster in 1994. <laughs> let me get the uh, the laser disc or whatever you pop in there. Hang on, slide one. Um. Bob Backlund is on the mic telling all the fans they are dumb and don't know words. Slide two, that's just me taking a bath. Slide three, <laughs> um, Bulldog has him up for the power slam. Slide four, Backlund dropped into the chicken wing from over his shoulder, I assume, or it could just be, you know, like minutes apart. Slide five, um, Bulldog rolls, breaks the chicken wing. Slide six is back to the beginning of the thing. So, unfortunately, I don't know. Hmm. That's too bad. Next match, Mabel defeated Stephen Dunn. I have 25 pictures of it. <laughs> <laughs> did he, uh, uh, did Mabel, uh, give you the, uh, evil eye? Knew his future enemy was, uh... <laughs> yeah. Future nemesis. Yeah. That is the, um... The prologue of the Mabel Justin movie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the cold open. Uh, Razor Ramon defeated Jeff Jarrett. And main event, already a hot feud. Undertaker defeated Erwin Arsh. Wow. Main so. event in any arena with the Pittsburgh. Now, they, uh, they claim 4,000 here. What, you know, the capacity of the Pittsburgh Civic Center? I'm guessing... It's more than that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just not a full house. All right. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Now, uh... <laughs> Bob Backlund made <laughs> not the first uh, title defense, <laughs> another one. Uh, let's see there, I remember tuning in the action zone after the Survivor Series. He showed the whole match, which isn't saying much. <laughs> Him and Diesel, because it was kick, jackknife, pin in seven seconds. Diesel was the new champion and the leader of the new generation. Uh, the Observer notes, they telegraphed this pretty hard. On the USA Network's Mania show, they announced it would be a title match where... Uh, between Backlund and Diesel, replacing the injured Bret Hart at the Garden, and the WF would open its 900 number line for live commentary starting at 9.30 p.m. In the, New- in the New York market, the title change was telegraphed even deeper, 
by announcing the match was no DQ, no countout, and no submissions, <laughs> thereby rendering Backlund's chicken wing useless. Backlund also did an interview for the New York market complaining he had trained to wrestle hard, not Diesel. Bob's got a, I think, a bit of a gripe there, I would say. I think Just... the first title loss was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. Mm. Scotland's revenge. Oh my god. No, why don't. Ugh, who is this? Is this Tunny like a, a grandfathered in, uh, decision on his part? Must be. Typical Tunny bullshit. My goodness. Anyway. This was, I. You tell me how you felt. Both times when they cut in, in the October, November, uh, weekend programming to talk about a world title change, the Bret Hart one was like, Whoa! Way to go, Bret Hart! This one was like, Diesel? Mm. That tall guy? He's on my side? And he won in like eight seconds? This is all highly unorthodox. Yep. Yeah, I was like, oh. Huh. Okay. I guess Bret Hart must suck really bad. (laughs) This guy can go down in eight seconds. (laughs) Apparently. Hmm. He knew the secret. (laughs) Alright, uh, Sean. He got Daniel Bryan, eh? Oh, he did. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Dang. Anyway, uh, tag titles vacated. Number one thing, Justin. Tournament time. <whistles> Here were the brackets. Men on a mission. Took on Bam Bam Bigelow and Tatanka. The Head Shrinkers took on the new foundation of Owen and uh, Jim Neidhart. The Heavenly Bodies met up with the Bushwhackers. Still employed. Let's see. And finally, the uh, one, two, three kid and Bob Holly against Well Done. <laughs> Wondering where the smoking guns are, they announced uh, Bart came down with a knee injury, so the mm-hmm. kid and Bob Holly were substituted, but the guns kept working at the time, so I don't know. By virtue of logic, I feel like Well Done must have been the number eight seed in this, right? You would think, yeah. Oh, mm. now we got to figure this out. <laughs> uh, let's see. If Well Done was eight. Uh, let's see. Bushwhackers are probably seven, right? For sure, yeah. So Heavenly Bodies would be two? I Uh, guess if someone had a Smoky Mountain comp tape. So, probably three of the Head Shrinkers, five were Owen and Nightheart. Owen and Nightheart in their second run were called Low Energy. (laughs) Low Energy. And then, uh, what would it be... Uh, Men in a Mission 4, Bigelow Tatanka 5. That's check out. Yep. Alright, so there you go. Alright, this is, uh, my second thesis was that, uh, um, <laughs> tag team wrestling really took a hit in, uh, 1994. Not, which is, uh, perhaps a contradictory statement because they had two of the, their great tag matches of all time. But if you look at what they, they did, like, alright, pay per views. Getting a title shot at the Rumble with Brett and Owen, not really an established team. Mania, you had Men on a Mission, an established team, but probably the worst one they had. You had Crush and Yokozuna at the King of the Ring, who didn't really team up. They were just big men. <laughs> uh, they didn't have one at SummerSlam, but it was supposed to be IRS and Bam Bam, again, throwing together a team. And then uh, they just vacated them at Survivor Series. So, mm-hmm. like, the the... Division hit its nadir, I always felt, with the Body Donna's Smoking Gun Godwin's three-way feud in 96. But New Rockers! Yeah, but this was um, tough times. From that this sort what, of thing. though, if 
What if in an alternate reality of star ratings where the Rumble was Brett and Owen versus the Steiners, the uh, WrestleMania was Quebecers versus Kid, and I guess Jannetty was fired, but Sparky Plug, and then SummerSlam was Razor and the Kid versus two dudes with bad attitudes. <laughs> that Perhaps would have been around. better. Yes. All right. Uh, December. We had a lot of debuts and tease debuts, all of them pretty bad. First was the Portuguese Man of War, Aldo Montoya, portrayed by PJ Walker, just incredible, wearing a mask and being Portuguese. Um, using to be in the corporation. I, yeah. I guess that happened later. Yes. But but I, did he debut by being like, nah? No, I think he was, um, that was later on. Hmm. And, uh, I just thought this was a reaction to the One Worlds Collide pay-per-view. <laughs> The timing doesn't work out. They thought, like, hey, mask guy is sweet. They've thought maybe Power Rangers deal. I don't know. But the, a Portuguese man of war, and I didn't know this, so I looked it up, is a jellyfish. Yeah. What? I've heard them, like, that's what they, nick like, some people have derisively called them that. I didn't really get the reference. I, that's you would think it would weird. be just some guy from the movie 300 or something. <laughs> no. Yeah. Small thing without a spine. Because I guess Just Incredible is Portuguese, so they capitalized on it, and that's the best nickname they could come up with. <laughs> Peter Palacco. Mm. Uh, also debuting, Henry O'Godwin, Hog Farmer, not a writer known for twist endings. See, that's an acronym. Yes, it is. Not a knuckleball short. Uh, if you hear someone call an inverted DDT a slop drop, that's why. <laughs> this is. Caitlin's uh, is called the. Um, I don't want to say slut drop because I respect Caitlin, oh. but uh, some kind of play on words like that. I didn't prepare one. Sorry. Okay. It's okay. Uh, Jeff Jarrett acquired a roadie who debuted uh, during a match with the Bulldog on Raw. And this guy, uh, <laughs> who was Brian Armstrong, but this guy had like six or seven year run with the company barring a sabbatical. Like, that's a long time for a guy who was not he could talk and had charisma. He was not in terribly good cosmetic WWF shape. <laughs> but hey, good for him, you know? He's going to wear the hell out of that full body suit for the next however there many is. years with a brief yes. break in between. Uh, Real New Deal Jobs Act from Jack Money. So, yeah. All these occupations. Uh, Hakushi, who was Jinsei Shinsaki from Michinoku Pro, debuted. I would say they came like. Later in 95, because I don't remember him doing anything till SummerSlam that year, but there you go. Shoguns. <laughs> Billy Gunn and uh, The Big Show. <laughs> D-T-C-O-A-S. <laughs> uh, let's see. It's worth noting that Max Payne worked a dark match as the blacksmith, which sounds more intriguing than Man Mountain Rock, but it's not meant to be. And That's a profession less necessary. Yeah, I'm all set. This, I mean, rock musician. Now you probably need a job in the tip, <laughs> given the music industry. Back then, you were all set. Uh huh. You played chicks. Um, Brad Radford next time. <laughs> I guess we can save Mantar for next time too. Maybe the blacksmith made Mantar's uh, horseshoes. <laughs> there you go. For the tar half of his... So he was half man, half minotaur, which means he was 50% man... No, 75% man, 25% bull. Because what's a minotaur? It's That's half and half. Okay. Yeah. 
Gosh, it's a lot of math. Man, it's less bull. Hmm. Hmm. So that would mean, from the chart of uh, genetics, Bull Nakano wouldn't be his mother, but maybe his grandmother, and that's where the twenty-five percent bull comes from. Checks out. Agreed. All right. So that's uh, ninety-four. A lot happening. We did it in the world of uh, of wrestling. The it's a um, still the WWF still trying to find their way, and um, really wouldn't until a couple of years later. But I mean, if you watch the good stuff, it's real good. I remember it being a bit of a slog to uh, get through Joe's at times. But it's a company basically being carried by two to six guys, mm. and you can just put the rest of them in the bin. <laughs> what like, that's like. <laughs> um, yeah, Brett, Sean, Undertaker, obviously enduring legends, and they were holding down the fort. And then uh, Diesel, Razor Ramon, um, secondary guys, Owen Hart, also really, really good British Bulldog. So they like they had a core. And then after those people, one, two, three, kid. Although he never really got a, a push at the time. Uh, once you drop past those six or seven guys, then it's just, uh, yep. Yep. So, yep. So, 95 will be next time. I just said that, uh, I had thrown a challenge to you, uh, a couple weeks ago to rebook oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. the 1990 Survivor Series using the current WWF roster. You rose to the challenge. Almost immediately. And I was, uh, yes, very quick. And uh, bonus points for team names. So let's so let's review your card, shall we? Let's. And remember when I said before we started recording that I should bring that up in a window? Mm-hmm. I did that. All right. So. <laughs> All right. So, uh, now you did this um, almost to a T. Like you, <laughs> I just meant like you know to have survival matches and a final match of survival. You followed the format to a T, but we'll get to that in a second. We started off with the Chain Gang, Team Captain John Cena, joined by Kofi Kingston, Brodus Clay, and Yoshitatsu. Against, I really thought you'd be doing this in a Vince voice, but continue. Against the show-offs, <laughs> Team Captain Dolph Ziggler, The Miz, Tensai, and Johnny Curtis. Um, so would Miz move to the Chain Gang now and be replaced by David Otunga? Yeah, I should point out, I did this on apparently October 31st. Halloween! <laughs> I was possessed by a waste of time! <laughs> I really wanted to... I made sure to only use guys who were active at the time, mm-hmm. and complaints about the roster depth, I did get exactly, almost exactly the right amount of guys. There were maybe like two or three fringe guys, but to be fair, Coco Beware and Borzukov were fucking <laughs> in 1990. So... Um, made sure not to use Christian. It turns out I can't use Hunico, so someone would have to step in for him. I was not aware at the time he was hurt. Okay. Maybe that's Jack Swagger's opportunity to there you come go. back to life. Um, yeah, but I, I really tried to follow the format where you have, like, superhuman captains spread out, and mm-hmm. uh, everybody pairs up, and the tag teams have to be opposite tag teams, and I think it works. 
The only thing I regret is I wanted to replicate um, the Mr. Perfect 3 demolition dynamic with CM mm. Punk and the 3MB, <laughs> but uh, I just couldn't get the, the numbers mm. to work out there. So you had uh, John Cena being the sole survivor in this match, probably overcoming Tensai and Dolph Ziggler being left one on In all likelihood. Oh, yeah, and Johnny Curtis was some real kismet because um, he was like... I, 40th necessary man to get the even numbers and i was like i want to put johnny curtis on a team called the show-offs and then like a week after that the fandango yeah. start so johnny curtis fandango is either the undertaker or the globally <laughs> show uh let's see the next batch the rybacks aka team me more of uh team captain ryback uh r-truth kane and daniel bryan with little jimmy Against the best team in the world of CM Punk, Antonio Cesaro, Cody Rhodes, and Damian Sandow. Now, um, I think uh, the Carnivores would be a good name for Team Captain by Ryback, if I may say so. I likes it. All right. And you have... uh, Must have been... A, they were the Warriors equivalent. Mm. Or were they the ultimate team? I think they were the Warriors. They're the Warriors, I want to say. Okay. And it's the the Daniel Bryan Alvarez joke about the Rybacks. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're so, right, no. So you had the entire team of the heels surviving this match. So does Ryback just get, um, I guess, assaulted again by NXT people? In all, in all likelihood. Or maybe it's a Jake the Snake. Uh, that was really unfair, Jake, that their illegal Rick Martell ran away with Jake Martell and only Jake Oh, yeah, you can do that. That's that situation here. All right. Up next, you had the fellas. <laughs> team Captain Sheamus, Great Kali, Justin Gabriel, and Tyson Kidd against the big team, a.k.a. the WMDs, Team Captain The Big Show, Wade Barrett, Primo, and Epico. Perhaps they do like the hooligans for uh, Sheamus' team. There you go. It is an international team, it looks like. Yeah. And uh, you had Sheamus being the sole survivor. Yeah. Probably All broke the flags kicking. of the land. Hmm? Sheamus, the survivor, broke kicking The Big Show, I'm guessing, to end it. All right, and I figured Sheamus ahead of Ryback and uh, Randy Orton for the second superhuman spot, Hmm. based on standings. Up next, we had the Vipers, aka Randy's Dandies, Team Captain Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase, Rey Mysterio, and Sin Cara against El Equipo de Mil Dolares, Team Captain Alberto Del Rio, David Otunga, Darren Young, and Titus O'Neil. Oh yeah, yeah, David Otunga. So I don't know who the Miz. Subs for, although El Equipo de Mil Dolares isn't that the thousand dollar team? Mil shit. <laughs> well, my high school how about <laughs> it's failed you or you failed um, it? The economy is so much worse than it was in <laughs> nineteen ninety. Pesos worth a lot. <laughs> <laughs> thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. <laughs> Perhaps it could be the one percent. Or uno percento. <laughs> or perhaps, um, like, some kind of car. Like, ah. Los Camaros. <laughs> I don't know. Spitball in here. There's great uh, Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase continuity, where he'd be like, Ted, I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> where have you been? Mm-hmm. Of the, if you listed these guys 1 to 40, Ted would be in probably somewhere between 36 and 40. On this Seems fair. Chart. Mm-hmm. All right, up next, the Broskies, Team Captain Zack Ryder, Santino, and the Usos against the four-man band, 
Heath Slater, Drew McIntyre, Jinder Mahal, and Hunico. So maybe you just stick Camacho in there. That's fair. Yeah. All right, and That'd you had uh, Santino in the Tito Santana spot, a popular but unlikely mid-card <laughs> advancing to the finals. I would have given it to Zach, but politically I let Zach have the team name, and so I gave Santino the spot. I mean, Tito Santana wasn't the captain of the... No, that's very true, the Alliance. The Nice Men or whatever that team <laughs> Oh, that was an international team, too. Yeah, I well, totally get the Alliance now. Hmm. All right. This gives us the ultimate match of survival of John Cena, Sheamus, and Santino against CM Punk, Antonio Cesaro, Cody Rose, Damian Sandow, and Alberto Del Rio. You have not listed a winner. Do I take it it's uh, Cena and Sheamus? It seems safe to assume, along with Santino eliminating Cesaro in the first second of the match with the Cobra. Very nice. We also had a so. bonus match of the Chick Busters, Team Captain AJ... Layla, Caitlin, and Alicia Fox against Team Looks Good to Me, Team Captain Eve, Natalia, Tamina, and Oksana. Uh, Over-under on this is seven and a half minutes. <laughs> I take the under. Yeah, they all died in that match. <laughs> so there you go. You're welcome, Joe. I would watch this. You know what? I would like this show because it's... You don't have to, like... You can just watch wrestling. You know, you have to worry about who's going to win... You know, you're curious about it. Stakes aren't too high. It seems like an enjoyable show. I would watch this. I would probably prefer this. I think for star distribution, this checks out. And I mean, it checks out even better than some of the mid-90s stuff. Yeah. For all the complaints about roster depth. Like, the only questionable dudes who are like... Because I didn't use any developmental NXT guys who people would like to see. Although, ironically, we have some more now. But, uh, like, that's 40 strong. I think that was the Sears Royal Rumble. There was a big complaint about, like, oh, no, we're all going to die of bad Royal Rumble roster death. But this year's Royal Rumble was missed, like, 15 worthwhile Rumble people for whatever reason. So, Yes, the problem is injuries and not so much booking. Mm-hmm. And this card doesn't use Undertaker or Triple H or The Rock or The Brock oh, wow. or Christian yeah. or really just that. Cool. So... What a worthwhile endeavor. You bet. <laughs> you have to book the Rumble for a way. Oh. You have to book the 1990 Rumble using the roster next time. Excellent. Go. Be, uh, <clears throat> I need some... only thing that matters to me is the bad news. Dusty and the four dude square off and the Hogan and Warrior. There you go. Although seen in Ryback's Hogan Warrior got no reaction last night. No. So. Didn't go so good. Nope. Oh, well. So uh, that's going to do it for us. Two hours. Woo! Bye. And Time well spent. Yeah. You enjoy your uh, your Thanksgiving? Thank you so much. And uh, we'll check back. I want to talk to the Cubs fan next time. I haven't talked to him in a long time. I'll we'll show myself his, out. Uh, endeavors. And you and I will catch up for 1995 Part 1. Because we're splitting it up. Because they did a lot of pay-per-views. Wow. We just got backlogged in a big way. Sure did. Well, show I'm... go on in perpetuity. I mean, gosh. I'm thinking, like, oh, it'll be fun to do, like, 1989 one day, but when will that be? <laughs> I thought if we eventually caught up to the present year, then we could start doing shows in the future and predict what would happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a while off. Perhaps. At this current pace. But it's an absolute pleasure. We said it's before we started. Two-year anniversary of Joe 2. Yes, the new Evidently, 
longer than the original show. Yes, not as many shows, but a longer time frame of consistently doing these shows. So, holy moly! And I like my exclusivity clause. When <laughs> I had to compete for airtime with your Rob Naylor types. Yeah, well, that was whatever happened to that guy. Yeah, so. where does he ever go in this biz? <laughs> So there you go. That's going to do it, everyone. You have. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm going to say uh, you should give money to the March of Dimes because they take little babies and make them into big babies. I saw it myself. Well, bigger, at least in the case of my son. But, yeah, that's uh, worth it. I haven't done that in a while. I don't know why. Just lazy. The holidays and Christmas. Yeah. Please, sir, I'd like some more. Nope, that's something else. <laughs> that is something else, indeed. That God bless the- us, everyone. That's a good place to end. All right. Justin, thank you again for your time. You're welcome. Go watch Raw. Uh, What's your thoughts on the W by uh, 8 a.m. tomorrow morning when I get into it? Got it, boss. 1990 Rumble done up today style. All right. Everyone, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you in 2013.